Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode of the MedTech Talent Lab. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, and I am the founder and managing director here at a search firm called the Anthony Michael Group. We help companies across medical technology, so that includes medical device organizations, digital health companies, as well as diagnostic firms to build best-in-class technical teams, areas primarily like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, et cetera. And in addition to the podcast here, where we bring on best-in-class leaders from the industry to talk about all things talent-related, we run a live version of this show each and every Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern on LinkedIn, where uh, Adam Sapi on my team and I, we discuss various topics all related to talent, whether it's building high-performing teams or enhancing and advancing your own career. Today, I'm excited about our guest. I'm always excited about our guest, but today is someone who I've known for uh, several years now who I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time. I have a lot of respect for her. We're talking about Miss Michaela Hart. She's the VP of Quality Systems and Compliance at Roche uh, molecular solutions. If you don't know her, she's a no BS leader who, for the better part of 30 years, uh, has led quality and regulatory teams for a variety of organizations, primarily Roche, in the last several years. She likes to go fast in business and in life, being an avid a race car driver, and she really works her butt off to empower her teams while most certainly holding them accountable. To help inspire other leaders, she wrote and released a book in 2015, which I have myself, thank you very much, uh, called Let Them Lead, How to Command Less and Accomplish More, which you can find on Amazon. And today, amongst other golden nuggets that we're going to discuss related to leadership, we're going to hear some exciting updates from Michaela on her brand new book that she is, if I'm not mistaken, in the process of writing now. So without further ado, Michaela, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Super happy to be here. Yeah, I'm honored that you decided to join me. I really appreciate you being here. Let's just jump right in because there's so much that I want to cover with you today. And I want to start by asking you, if I could, you know, you've been doing this for a while. This is not your first rodeo and you've, you've led before and after the pandemic. So much has changed for so many leaders and so many employees as far as how we work, where we work, all that stuff. From your perspective, what's changed? How are the dynamics different? So most definitely where we work, like, for example, I am in my living room on a fit desk biking for the, you know, the course of this interview. So where we work has definitely changed. Interestingly, the one thing that I am not seeing change at all is that people are still leaving bad bosses. So over the course of this entire pandemic, you've heard, right, this great walkout, and I think at an escalated path. People have learned that they can work pretty much anywhere, so they are leaving these toxic bosses like they've never left before. Same thing with toxic cultures. So you can have a great boss, but if it's a toxic work environment, they are leaving those organizations too. You know, I've always been an an advocate of the philosophy that people don't leave companies, they leave people. There was someone who put out a social media post recently. He's like, let's stop saying that. It's not necessarily true. There's more to it. What's your thought about that? Do you really believe it's people leave people or do you think it's a mixture? 
Well, I think there's the culture of the leader and then there's the culture of the company, right? And those can be very kind of mutually exclusive. So you can work for a great boss. If it's a horrible company, you may consider leaving. You could also work for a really awful boss at a great company. You may also want to consider leaving. I also think people on the flip side, they follow good leaders. I'm seeing this happen now. People are leaving and they're saying, you know, tell me where you're going. I want to come with you. So people are following their hearts. This has not changed over the course of this pandemic. They're still doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that people are waking up realizing life is short. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I'm going to do something, I need to do it now. And I think that's really kind of uh, exacerbating this for sure. Let me ask you this, you know, in your book, which is great, by the way, for those listening, uh, if you don't have it, figure out a way to get it, check out Amazon, let them lead. It's right here. You know, you talk about hiring givers and firing takers. Explain that if you would, because I thought it was a really interesting way of, of describing it, but I don't want to give it away. I want you to talk okay. about it. So just think about all the time, the number of minutes that we spend working, right? It is spent more so with our coworkers and our employees than it is with our loved ones. So if you could self-assemble a team and say you're the leader, aren't you going to want to be with hanging around with good people and not hanging around with toxic people. So, you know, it goes both ways. You've got to work on retaining good talent and you, at the same time, like highest return on investment of management. Once again, I'm not talking about leadership. I'm talking about management is carving out those rocks from the stream and just letting the water flow, right? Think about how many times you've asked the question in a job interview. Have you ever fired anyone? asking your new leader, because a lot of leaders don't have the guts to fire anybody. So you're left mm -hmm. working alongside the toxic employees. And so when I hire employees, there's some questions that I ask them. They're maybe a little different, you know, like, what would you do if I gave you $500 and the day off? What would you do with the time and your money? You know, a couple simple questions like that can help you understand what are these employees or potential employees personal motivating drivers? Are they a giver or are they a taker? You know, Adam Grant wrote this very interesting book called Give or Take. And he talks about this concept of givers and takers. And who would you rather spend your life alongside at work, right? A giver mm -hmm. or a taker, especially in science. A lot of us are motivated because we are givers, but there's some toxic takers, you know, amongst us as well. Have you been in a situation before where you found out, you know, as the person has been on your team for a while that they were more of a taker and you made a decision to let them go primarily because of that? Yeah, I wouldn't say just because of that. But once again, think about the cultural values of your organization. Most companies have them and toxic takers don't normally follow these corporate principles. And so have I fired employees because they have their behavior has not been aligned with our corporate values? Absolutely. But I think you'll find that most leaders have never done this before. They've never fired employees because the how was so toxic. A lot of leaders are oftentimes afraid of these employees. They're bullies in the workplace. Yep. And I've experienced it myself in previous organizations that I've worked for. And at the time, the leader really just did not want to deal with it. The production yep. was there from the person, but the particular individual was making the entire culture so toxic. And looking back, I don't care how much production the employee was delivering, 
what they were doing as a detriment to the culture was just, it was too much. And finally, when that person left or was asked to leave, finally, uh, it was like an entire weight was lifted off the entire company. Really? So it, it's huge what we're talking about. Yeah. Outside of that question that you asked about, which I thought was interesting to begin with, is if I give you the $500 in the day off, what are some of the other things that you do throughout the vetting process to de- make an assessment of whether or not this person may be leaning towards being more of a taker versus a giver? So you can ask questions like from a leadership perspective, you know, how would you describe yourself as a leader? We're all leaders, even if you don't have direct reports. And so kind of the command and control type of leader or servant leaders. So if if employees understand that they are more of a servant leader, they're significantly more self-aware and you can bet that they're more of a giver and less of a taker. But this kind of very top-down command and control type of employee or leader yeah, is going to be more of a taker. They're taking of your time and they're controlling you. And if there's one thing that employees want now is more freedom, significantly more freedom. They want to be, they do not want this micromanaging command and control leader. I think that type of leadership is on its way out. And this more agile, open, flexible, creative servant leader. It's like, how can I help you do better in all of these aspects of your profession is in. What a great segue to what I want to ask you about, because I think that now more than ever, especially with the remote workforce that I've heard, I only want to work remote. I I just want that flexibility. And I've heard on the other extreme, well, you know, I really don't want them over there. I don't know what they're doing during the day. I'm not sure, you know, if they're really working. Are they taking two jobs? I've even heard we're worried because they're going to manage two jobs at one time and they're going to contract other people. And what I say is if you're hiring somebody, especially a six-figure job and beyond, and you can't count on them to get their job done, either A, we've got to change some things with how you feel about your own leadership, or B, you're hiring the wrong person. And so the segue to this is, you know, over the years, you've had the opportunity to manage multiple different generations, baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, millennials across the board. Call out some key differences that that perhaps you've seen as far as managing across a multi-generational workforce. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, I've had employees tell me, so I'm, I work, at least I explain what I do as a servant leader is like, I'm going to help take you from good to great. Sometimes for my more toxic employees, I need to take them from bad to gone. You know, once again, an important role of a leader, but on the majority of my time is spent taking employees from good to great. You know, I have had some millennial employees, one in particular, tell me that he's already great and that I need to take him to God level. So I would say, no way. yeah, that's a true, uh, wow. true story. I would say confidence, right, of some of the newer generations is significantly higher than in older generations. It's interesting. I mean, it's very refreshing to me. I'm kind of like, okay, let's take you to God. You know, I'm down for that challenge. Uh, so definitely the confidence is there. The younger generations, they want more freedom. They want more flexibility. Many of them are, you know, they're struggling with, especially this environment, with young children at home. I have an interesting story when the pandemic first broke. So this was in March, Friday the 13th, 2020. I had leaders reaching out to me and asking me if I knew how, from an IT perspective, to install keyboard tracking software on their employees' laptops remotely. If that doesn't what did you scare say to that? you, I was yeah. horrified. I mean, so yep. I already knew that many of these leaders were command and control, but but I was horrified to think that that was their very first thought 
And I just realized that so much of this is the mindset of the leader and that this is so important for you to understand before you take a new job. Like, what is that leader's mindset? Yeah, I was horrified. I mean, if you ask me what I did, I got my leadership team together and said, okay, I think we just need to take a pause. And each of you collectively, please go home into your families and into your living rooms. And let's just think about how we are going to survive this. Let's just take a breath and think because it was a different answer for every single one of the employees on my leadership team. It looked like something very different. For some of my employees, we had to completely rewrite the requirements of the job because my requirement of my employees was not sitting at a laptop, you know, in front of a keyboard for eight hours a day anymore. This was no longer the requirement of some of our more administrative tasks. But yeah, it's yep. interesting mindset, right? I mean, for sure. I don't know. I could not have even gone to that place, but but I'm seeing leaders even today. I mean, tracking productivity while we're in this environment leads into a huge conversation around trust. This was the takeaway for me and mindset. Big time. And so uh, let me ask you this. It's one thing to interview people that are going to be joining your team, right, as the leader. It's a whole other thing for employees to be interviewing their leader to make sure it's the right fit. And you mentioned that, hey, it's so important to make sure you understand what you're getting into. Do you have suggestions? So if you were to either interview yourself or you were to interview a prospective new boss for yourself, do you have some recommendations as to what folks should be asking these prospective hiring managers to make sure it's the right fit? Yeah. And I have a whole list, I think, in my book of why are you not asking these questions? And even today, as I hire employees today, very, very few employees are interviewing me back. They're not asking me, are you a command and control leader or a servant leader? If I were to ask two of your employees to describe you as a leader, what would they say about you? These are great questions. You know, everyone's looking in glass door. This is very helpful. This is a new avenue. The one big change that I've seen is people are adding word clouds to their CVs. I think this is a fabulous new addition. You know, a word cloud is a bunch of words that other people have used to describe you as, say, a leader. And what are those words? And then you, there's cute little programs that put it into a cloud and you can post this because if you think about our CVs, I did some work on unconscious bias for myself last year. And this was one of the things that I realized is our CVs, we have unconscious bias around our CVs. They are very black and white, Times New Roman, 12 to 14 font, left over from the 70s. If you look at our CVs or our resumes, what do they say about us as humans, as leaders? As coworkers, they say nothing about whether or not you're yep. a giver or a taker, toxic or not. There's nothing in those documents that describes you as a human being. And what do you really want to know? How fun is this person going to be at work to hang out with? It's really interesting you say that. I think that that is the minority of leadership that is wanting to know the question that you just posed. I think most people, especially in technical functions or even in sales or even in marketing, what outcomes can you drive, have you driven, that are very similar to the priorities we have set forth in this position? How can you help us? And I think the other piece takes a back seat. I really do. So that's interesting, you know, the priority that you're saying it should take. And you're right. Yeah, I don't think that resumes do a good job of humanizing folks. And I think that that's probably the way that we set up the what is this, you know, what is 
standard, right? What is status quo? The status quo is to write the resume exactly how you said versus, hey, where are these mavericks that could potentially change the game and set a new status quo moving forward, right? A new standard. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I can say I have seen some millennials and Gen Z's CVs. They are breaking the norm. They're in color. They have word clouds. They have pictures of themselves, maybe even a picture of their dog. And I think the fact that we are working remotely has helped with this. But as a leader, I am enjoying those CVs significantly more because 50% is the what, in my opinion, right? It is the KPIs. What do we need to do to support the business? But the other 50% is the how. And these CVs are not speaking to the how at all. And we're winding up trying to dance around this in interviews. And why not just put it out there? You know, describe who you, you are said as something. A human. Yeah. And you said something in your book, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get it wrong, but you said, our job as a leader is to connect the business goals to the employee's mm-hmm dreams or employees. What did you say? Their hearts to their hearts. Their hearts to their hearts. I tell my employees, if I had a tattoo, I don't have any, but if I had one as a quality professional, it would say requirements process tools, right? You've got to always think about the company's requirements. This is why we're going to work. There's the process, but the humans and our systems are the tools, So think about the requirements of the business and then think about you as the tool. It's a matching. What do you bring to the table? And is this a match? And I mean all of your authentic self, including your heart. And once again, is it a match? But yes, it absolutely starts with those KPIs. And for many of us, it starts with, you know, customers and patients, right? A very big altruistic purpose. But then there's you, the authentic you that you're bringing to the table. And And once again, is it a match? And are you allowed even to bring your whole self, including your heart, to the table? I mean, the one thing people have asked me, Michaela, you know, you're kind of different. And what is it, you know, that makes you so different? And I I do listen to employees and their requirements as humans, as employees. And, you know, the one thing that I hear over and over, and I think it gets lost in so much of this news. I ask employees, what do you need from me? And do you know what I hear most often? Once we get to a place of psychological safety and trust, what they want is to be loved. They want to know that I genuinely, like, and dare I even mention that L word, they want to know that I genuinely care about them. And the genuine is the biggest part of this. Because think about it. Do your bosses really have your backs? But at the end of the day, they do want to be genuinely cared for and listened to and heard. So funny you would say say what you just said because I happen to have small children. I have two boys. They're soon to be five next month and the other one is gonna be a seven in July. And you know, I've been actually meeting with, personally uh, with a counselor on better parenting strategies on some things that we're working around. And then you talk about attunement. Hey, are, do your kids believe that what you are saying and what you are doing and how your behaviors and what you say lining up? And are you truly attuning to where they believe what you're doing is genuine? And if they don't, they can see right through it and, you know, things aren't going to change. 
for the better. And it's so funny you say that because I think the more that your employees understand that they have a genuine leader who has their back, who is really going to, like you said, match the, the company's goals with their hearts, and you're going to attune to what's important to them and get them invested per to where they feel it personally, mm -hmm. uh, the better off you're going to be. So that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Listening is, if I've learned anything through that, you know, I mean, my big word was, you know, empathy is huge, right? But also mindset. It's kind of how we react to all of this and how we are looking at it. Mindset was kind of my word for 2020 and 2021 as well. It, Yeah, it's how are we reacting and are we bringing the empathy? And this has to be genuine. And without the genuine, you're not going to have trust. And with honestly, without trust, you have nothing. You do not have you a have nothing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we need to also need to remember... There's what the company's requirements are, but let's think about our own requirements, right? We are working yep. to finance our personal lives. We need to keep that yep. in balance as well. For sure. And I know that you have a track record of basically, like you said before, when you talk about your employees going from good to great or you know, weeding out the toxic or as the one employee said to you, hey, I'm already great, but I want to be God status, whatever he said. Talk about performance management because I think it's really important to talk about your, what you do with this. I think mm -hmm. so often this is like an empty term, performance management. What it ends up being is HR and the hiring manager take a formal document, put check marks in a box, give it to the employee, say, do you have any questions? And life goes on after the quarter. And there's just such a better way because that's not performance management. So in your opinion, Michaela, what is performance management? What do you do about it? So performance management, once again, for me, it's the business requirements and it's what you bring to the table, right? So you're going to start the year with understanding what is the corporate vision? What exactly were you hired to do on the KPI spectrum, et cetera? But for my employees, we look at those goals and the KPIs along those lines. But then we also have a how goal as well for the employees. So how are they going to grow this year? It's not just what are we going to do for the company, but how is this employee going to grow on the how side? So once again, training, going to classes, online seminars, maybe getting an advanced degree, maybe learning regulatory if they're a quality person or quality if they're a regulatory person. So how are they going to grow? And once again, this is, you know, I, I have check-ins with my employees on a very regular basis and they drive this process, not me. The goals also need to be flexible, right? I mean, you need to alter them over the course of the year, but it's really them coming to me and saying, hey, how's it going? I feel I'm more like a guard bander, right? Help me understand what I need to do to help you. Are you not having enough time? Are you discovering you're working 80 hours a week because you can't drag your own self away from the laptop? Those types of conversations. But it's, in fact, interestingly, I have seen the complete opposite. I've seen companies completely abandon performance management during the pandemic and say, you know what, um, we're going to go super light because we kind of don't have time for this. And I've seen it take, sadly, a huge back burner, unfortunately. And mm. the end result of that is guess what is not getting managed? Anything. The good performers, or importantly, from a management perspective, the bad performers. So I've seen right. performance management kind of fly out the window completely. And if you're not doing that, then how are you measuring progress? So I tell my employees, keep track of your own progress because leaders tend to only remember the negative things and like parents too, right? So I ask my employees yep. from a performance yep. management perspective, if we do nothing, just please keep track of all the amazing things you do this year. So at the end of the year, you can tell them to me. 
put them in a document and send them to me. And this will help me have legitimate data as I go into calibrating you from a performance management perspective. Once again, go back to a fact base, but I ask my employees to keep it for themselves. Yeah. I I love what you said about that as far as putting the onus on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because nobody's going to care about you unless unless you care about yourself first, right? Yeah. Chapter one of my book is nobody cares about you except for you. <laughs> there you like, go. You've got I, and I always say nobody cares in, until you don't need them to care. And by then, <laughs> by that point, you know, you have already made it. But no, that's a really good point. It's like, look, yes, your leader is there. I always say your leader is there for mentorship. Your leader is there to support you as far as resources that you need to be effective. But ultimately, you know, you're responsible for you. And if you need something and if you want to go somewhere, you've got to put that in front of your leader so that they can help and understand. Yeah, you would be That's surprised great. when my I get these lists from my employees that, you know, well, we do it quarterly as well. But I look at the list and I mean, it really does. Because, of course, in my own head, I can kind of remember all oh, that one audit finding. But when I look at their list of 20 things, you know, regulatory submissions that were approved, et cetera, it's, it's like, this is where them keeping track of this document for themselves helps with the leader's unconscious bias around targeting the negative primarily. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really good point too, right? Because it makes it, instead of you just kind of thinking what you're thinking, it's making it objective by having yeah. it in front of you. That makes a lot of sense. One more thing, yeah. performance management. So the other part of our conversation is about where we're going. So I'm very big on my employees having a copy of the job description of where they're going. And this is part of the conversation. And I think you hinted that, you know, I like to race cars. And I said, if you don't have a copy of the job description of the next level that you're going to, you are essentially driving blind or racing blind and having no idea of where the next curve is coming. So I'm very big on intentioning and thinking about the future. And oftentimes employees, I ask them, you know, they want to get promoted. And I said, do you have a copy of the job description of the next level? And they're like, nope. And they're not even aware of the job family that exists for them. And we should all have this, right? Even if we don't want to get promoted, we need to know what track we're on and where we're going and what does the next turn look like for us. And we need to own that ourselves. So this is another thing. Ask your boss. I want a copy of the job description of the next layer because I want to start working towards that. And I'm going to get myself halfway there. And then I'm going to remind you, Michaela, that I need to be promoted pretty soon. Well, and it's interesting because I could see, you know, someone who's two levels down asking their VP, so to speak, hey, what is the job? Be very interesting how managers, the direct boss reacts to that, because in theory, that's their job, especially, you know, smaller companies. So I've always said the sign of a great leader is when you basically either a work yourself out a job or watch your, the people that you've mentored be able to fly and go somewhere Mm -hmm. else and, and move to the next level. So you've got to be a really strong leader and ego aside to say, look, I'm not going to stifle this person. I'm not going to hold them back. They want to continue to grow. Here's what it takes. Yep. Yeah. And you have to help them and intention it with them. But we all, you know, once again, you have to go back to a fact base. What are the actual bullets? What are the required elements of getting you to the next level? Rather than dancing around these conversations that I just want to get promoted because at the end of the day, money is a personal motivating driver. You got to go back to the business requirements. And those are spelled out in the job descriptions. And we as leaders, I think, should be giving our employees the entire job family. I think this is a role as a leader. We've got to show them the whole track rather than just asking them to race around one curve. They're flying blind, in my opinion, if we're not sharing that information with them. 
Yeah, it's a great analogy. And I, in all honesty, I should have talked about this at the beginning, but we're going to transition into what's going on in Michaela's world and, and this exciting new book that you're dealing with. But talk to us about race cars. So you you get on the track, you love to race, huh? Yeah. So I I mean, yeah, so I had a little race car. Actually, I recently got rid of it and I've down downsized my horsepower significantly. I've moved into horses. It's one horsepower, but I have three of them right now. But yeah, so I did spend a fair number of years racing cars. It's just something I started in high school and you know, once you start this kind of love for speed is a lot of fun. But yeah, once again, goes back to we need to be working to finance our personal lives. So think about it. You know, what are you personally financing? Your family? You know, I mean, so yeah, so I have a fair number of hobbies that keep me focused on what Michaela Inc. is financing. (laughs) Yeah, racing cars is that's awesome. (laughs) Out of curiosity, with that, peace in mind as far as what are we personally financing? What's your thought, if any, on dream boards, vision boards? I mean, yeah, so I'm very big on it. No? Yeah. Yeah. So my mindset is of a futurist already. So my default mindset is of a futurist, but I'm very strong and I call it intentioning where you think about what you want in the future and you intention it. Like it's, why not dream with your boss and reviewing these job descriptions is essentially intentioning together, right? You want to get promoted. He or she can help you be the catalyst and you are intentioning your future by simply reviewing the job description of the next level. But I think you should go big on these dream boards, you know, write and lipstick on your mirror that, you know, Hey, I want to get promoted someday. Or, you know, I think, you have to remember that you drive your own personal, you know, Mitch Inc. or Michaela Inc. North Star. So are you going to head that, you know, north or are you just going to walk around looking at the ground all day? So, yeah, I I think, yeah, dream boards, I mean, whether you can do them online now, I just, you know, just we do this. I do this with my employees every year in January. Just it's January. Where do you want to be in December? Let's dream. Let's just dream. Why not? Because as soon as it comes out of your mouth, then it's in my ears. I call it attaching your heart to your mouth. Your dreams need to come out of your heart and I need to hear them so that I can help make them happen for you professionally. Because as soon as I hear them, now I'm that energy is in my head and I'm going to take actions along those lines. But if it right. never comes out of your heart, I'm never going to move for you. Yep. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of employees sharing kind of what are their goals? What are you working? So I always say, what are you working? You know, what are you giving your blood, sweat and tears for right now? Why are you working so hard? Yep. Right. Yeah. It's not it just because I'm getting up and I'm working from eight to five. I'm, what is the bigger picture? And yeah. I think if the leader can understand that, the leader can then, you know, be, be a support mechanism towards yeah. that. And I, think it's, it's awesome. I think it's even deeper than that. You have to First of all, be able to listen genuinely, one of my favorite words, genuinely, and understand each person has different personal motivating and intrinsic drivers. Do they want to get promoted? Do they want more money? Do they want more time off? Do they want to travel? Do they want to get an advanced degree? There's so many different avenues. You can't assume that everybody wants to get promoted. Some people just want to hide under a rock and retire in two years, you know, and so you know, I can probably find some good rocks for them. So you really have to start by listening to what are their requirements? Because it's almost never what you think it is for them. You have to just kind of shut up and listen to help me understand, especially young parents with, you know, four or five kids at home. 
you know, they just want to make it through the day and survive, right? And all these childcare issues. And then, you know, what's been happening in the world is, this is a lot more than a lot of people can manage. And so some people, some employees actually want less, not more. So how do you bring less? It's true. We're working way too many hours and we're burning people out. Some employees like, please, I just don't want to be on calls at five, six, seven o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night. Help me understand how we can do a better job of time management right now. Yeah. I talked to a leader today, this morning, who was working till midnight last night. She was up at six and she's like, I can't do, I said, first of all, I guarantee your boss is not expecting that you're working from six till midnight. It's just not feasible. And if that is the case, this is not worth it. Your health is more important. I said, I don't care how many priorities you have. At some point, you're only one person. And I think that's really, really, really important that as leaders too, that we help when we say, you know, I throw out the work-life balance because to me, sometimes the pendulum swings. Sometimes it's all about work. Sometimes it's all personal. Sometimes it is a mixture, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think as leaders, it's really important that we do what we say. So if we say, look, we don't want to burn you out, then we really stand behind that and support that and give them whatever support they need so that they don't burn out, right? Otherwise, everybody loses. Yeah, you get what you focus on. And uh, one, so I heard this in 2020, because I saw the pendulum go to the burnout stage with some of my employees. And so what we did for 2021, we had a naughty and nice goal, kind of like along the themes of Santa, because we like to have fun with everything. So we had a naughty list, namely N-O-T with a big E, like, what are we stopping this year? Mm. Because and this is giving legitimate you know, permission to stop doing stupid things at work or think, you know, for example, 6am calls, like we are not doing this. This is not going to happen for 2021. And we put together a very comprehensive list. It was significantly longer than I ever thought it would be. And all I needed to do was give the organization permission to stop the crazy. And we started tracking it and we started celebrating the crazy things that we were stopping doing. And it really took off, but it, and it added things like best practices, right? That was on the nice list. Let, let's share best practices. Let's stop doing crazy. And you, and you awesome. celebrate that and give employees permission to not burn themselves out. For sure. For sure. This has been fantastic to have you here. I want to wrap up by asking you, if you would, give us a glimpse into this new book that you're talking about. You, we mentioned the Let Them Lead book. You've got a sequel coming out. Tell us about it, if you sure. would. So yeah, so just the next book is going to be called Let Them Leave, How to Control Less and Retain Your Employees Longer. And I, I don't necessarily mean leave as in leave you as a leader or your company, but I mean, control them less, right? Let them work remotely if they want to. If they want to move to another state, that's fine. Let them talk to recruiters and have recruiters on their personal boards of directors. Let them uh, consult for another company if it's not a conflict of interest. It's really, I think we need to push harder on letting go of control of employees because I think that's going to be the only way that we are going to retain them. So yeah, let them leave. I just finished chapter one. It's all about mindset, right? Because mindset is still such a big word for me. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I would say I hope to have it done. When I publish books, I publish them on my birthday, which is in November. So it should be finished uh, later this year. I'll probably do a chapter every month. There's 10, there'll be 10 chapters, but yeah, let them leave. I think it's perfect. 
Chapter 10, just like my first book, will be Let Me Leave. Um, so I make it very personal. Uh, so yeah, I think the time is right. And it, it's going to be a little more advanced version. I would say Let Them Lead was kind of the 1A version. This is going to be kind of Michaela's Leadership Advice 101A. So yeah, Let Them Leave. Coming soon. That's super cool. And what I love about what you just said was encouraging your staff to have a recruiter on your board or recruiters on your board of advisors. So many leaders are so scared that when that headhunter calls their staff, you know, that they're going to wipe them out. It's like, well, it goes back to what we said at the beginning, right? People leave people and people stay with people or people follow people. So if you're doing your job, you have nothing to fear, right? Because people won't want to necessarily go. I was just going to say, will you just real quickly say why you feel like that's so important? I I really want to hear what you have to say. The recruiter part? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I've learned, think about market research, right? And salaries for one. Do you think I have time to check the salaries of every single one of my, you know, couple hundred employees? So I tell my employees, hey, you go out there, go on interviews even, you know, talk to folks like Mitch and let me know if we are not being competitive, right? Once again, it goes back to chapter one. No one cares more about you than you. So go please collect your own market data and help me understand what, how do we compare from, um, you know, benefits and base salary, bonuses, et cetera, stock even. Help me understand from the street what that looks like for your level position. And how else would you gather this information unless you're out talking to recruiters, interviewing, et cetera. Nice. So yeah, I, I tell my employees, you know, hey, Mitch is one of them. Go talk to him, especially on the regulatory side. My regulatory employees aren't real, you know, they're not real keen to just kind of typically go out there and have recruiters on their personal boards of directors. But once again, it's your board, right? For you, like Michaela Inc. This is not Roche Inc. So it's just, it's really encouraging them to think about their whole self and, and themselves professionally. And am I paying them adequately? I mean, I'm not checking for every single headcount that I have. And the market is changing every month for some of these roles. So help me understand the market for your position. And I'm happy to try and match it or at least go to bat for you internally. There has been more change in the last 18 to 24 months at this kind of pace. You talk about inflation, you know, the rate of inflation that we're dealing with, the rate of how the employment landscape has changed, not only across the world and across industries, but in med tech specifically and in regulatory, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so grateful that you came. You shared so many uh, fantastic nuggets today. And not only do I wish you personal success, but we're super excited to hear about your book release. And perhaps once you're ready, we'll have to have you back on the show. Yeah. Happy to come back. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks for everything that you do for everybody, Mitch. It's true service. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Michaela. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.